it's fine. Hey, hey, we should do an intro. No, we shouldn't. How will they know we're the theater boys? They'll just know, okay? And we are back. I would like to say better than ever, but we're still us, so you're stuck with us there. Today, we are going to be taking a look at and discussing one of my all-time favorite movies, and one of just uh, my... It's a good, it's a solid movie. It's really good. It's an, it's an amazing movie. What it does, as far as sets and designs of characters, I think is, in that sense, peak cinema. So you can be sure we're not talking about a recent Marvel movie. It is instead Mad Max Fury Road. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love it. I love so much about it. The visuals of it are fantastic. I love the effects, practical stuff. I'm also a major fan of the whole steampunkish aesthetic that Mad Max universe. Oh, apocalyptic yeah. all that does. It's that's kind of my giant. So, um, yeah, little biased. Fantastic though. Um, this movie, like, obviously opens up right out the rip with just pure action. Lots of crazy kind of rap research, cards, uh, cool shutter frame shots. Yeah. Uh, it is an expansion off of the old movies. It is an expansion, so it kind of goes into a little bit later down the timeline, because there's three, I believe, other Mad Max movies. Um, there's one where it's, it's just, like, purely road-driven. One, almost similar to this, but not really. Then there's one where he's protecting a, camp, a town and a girl, uh, and there's Thunderdome, uh, which I think is what I think Mad Max is most known for as far as the franchise. It's like, yes, that whole mantra. So this was like a very good addition that fit into the world very well, even though it caught, like it's getting made 30 years afterwards. Uh, and to me, like, really was a great sequel in comparison to other things that were getting made at the same time to an old franchise. Yeah, having not seen the originals, or at least having watched the originals myself, mm-hmm. being able to hop into this and not feel like I'm like, who's this? What's going on? It's just all kind of... One, it, one is very simple, right? Like, they literally just, like, bullet farm and gas out. Kind of self-explanatory what's going on yeah. those, those two points in the universe. And then also, like, the characters' motivations are pretty pure. Uh, it opens with him in the monologue of, I just want to survive. Well, I don't think it's pure motives as much as it's direct. Like, you understand that Mad Max from the get-go just wants to survive. You understand that the people that are chasing him are abusing their power and just want to consume the resources. You understand that from, like, every description from the city that they're in. Uh, like, every sweeping shot, you just see that everything's barren. And when you see things that are lush, it's in a very controlled, very secret environment. Like, when you're getting the entire introduction to the town, everything is just controlled. Well, even the Immortal Joe's whole, don't become addicted to water, make you weak feel. Yeah. Kind of that glimpse, right? Yeah. Um, very, the costume design for the characters are just fantastic. Like, all of the, the crowd. Everyone in it looks like they belong there. They're just mm-hmm. gone. I, I don't know how you do that from a makeup standpoint, but that like kind of like you look like you're on the brink of death and you're just like eating whatever you can get your hands on, kind of looking dirty and grungy. 
desert the whole time. And I think it just pulled in really well with a lot of the over-the-top stuff, too, that the, the movie does, the whole car chases through the desert with these insane souped-up rigs and the almost, I would say, um, religious or cult-like following that Skullboard is called Mortal Joe has with his, like, horrible beasts. They're trying to go to Valhalla. It's a yeah, it's, it's like, it's like Valhalla. You, you don't really think Vikings desert water desert on these, like, rusted-out war cars. Yeah. It's just, it's just really fun, really cool. They really just turned it up to 11 for this, um, uh, for this movie. And I, I really don't think they, I don't think there was a limit to what they were going to do. I know for the film, they wrecked a bunch of these cars. There's a ton of practical effects. Mm-hmm. A lot of explosions, a lot of fire, a lot of carnage. Uh, let us not forget the amazing uh, image that is the music war car, which drums on the back with the blind guitar player with the blind yes. guitar. Like everything about this movie screams heavy metal. Yeah. Like heavy metal is a soundtrack, heavy metal are the vehicles, heavy metal are the personalities. Like everything about this encapsulates a genre and a world that is consistent and remains the same throughout, which I think is such a beautiful thing that it's able to do. Like it's literally a, a genre movie that just is all of the every heavy metal genre is just all this intense. It, it feels as if it's like the embodiment of every '90s video I watch. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Loud guitars, drums, crazy makeup, just Desert like pants. Yeah. <laughs> just like absolutely nuts. The contrast too between uh, the what they're trying to save and like the rest of the world. Yeah. I don't mean that in like the the sense of the like like world is this world. The world that they're set in, they don't look like they belong. No, which is kind of a point. It's very, very crazy. Yeah. Um, and even they, they went as far as like the, the third party kind of scavengers that live between these big cities. Like their vehicles have a very distinctive belt look. Yeah. Which almost seems practical, right? Because they look like giant porcupines and they look like a voice fight and try to jump on top of the enemy vehicles. Yeah. So it's like almost as if whoever designed them was like, oh, this is how they're going to be defeated. This is how I would design them counter that. This is what, you know, the surviving bandits would have to look like. Yeah. Um, and it just, everything tells the story. The vehicles are just... The vehicles have a whole personality to themselves, which I think is a very unique thing for a so we're not talking movie to do. Prime. No, we're not talking about this Prime. We're just talking about the, the look. It looks like it has a personality to itself. Every vehicle um, I think in most senses, screams a reflection of the driver whose car it is, uh, whether it's Furiosa or Immortal Joe or even Mad Max's car at the beginning or the Warboy's car. Like you just said, it's our personality in vehicle. And it makes it really easy too when you're watching these like massive fights of like who's where, mm-hmm. like who's interacting with the main characters. You don't actually see the who's catching up, who. Who am I following in this mess? Um, and on top of the visual effects, the CGI is, is also top notch. The, the opening couple of minutes, there's this massive sandstorm, 
and I think that's one of my favorites. And a quote I use far too often, which is "It's a lovely day when a lovely, lovely day." Yes. When you're driving through a sandstorm, like the cars are slipping, sucking, sucked up. Well, just the, the pure fanaticism with which he says that line. Yeah. He's he's literally ready to die because he thinks he's going to Valhalla. And he's going to get remembered. Like the whole entire mantra is remember me. Like witness me. Witness me. Another overused line that I, I would give to many of them. Which is such a, a beautiful construction into this culture that has been made here. It's like everything about it is short lived. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like. So, no matter how many times I've seen this movie, I never fully comprehended the beginning until I just rewatched it. I watched it with subtitles on. Sounds like those guys were called Half Lives and actually referred to as that. Yes. And I, and from you know his discussion about these very large tumors on his shoulder and how he was talking about how he was close to death at the beginning of the movie, sounds like they don't live that long. No, because everything's irradiated. Yeah. 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 Except for Mojo, Joe, who lives in his bunker, basically his bunker tower, his bunker plateau. So, but there's normal people. So, like Mad Max, they call him full life. So, there's something there between the half lives and full lives. I think he's sure probably the, sort of the movies, to some extent. A little bit, but not not that much. But I think it more has to do with like probably their proximity to the nuclear blast when they went off. Because this is entirely like in the first Mad Max, it introduces you. He's a cop. Yeah, he is, he's a cop in a modern city, and then nukes go off. Wow. He's from Australia, and he has to figure out how he's going to survive now. So I wanted to figure out how to survive the driver's side steering wheel was on the wrong side. Yes, he's from, like, originally Mad Max is Australian. Oh, um, so that's kind of also, I think it was not Australian production. Like, it, you, because in the first one, it was like, oh, this, is, this would be Australia. Like, everything's out to kill you vibe. Which is what Mad Max is. Like, everyone's out to kill you. This is actually Australia. Um, and it plays into that same world so beautifully. Uh, and so very well. And, and a little bit even more progressively, because years down the line, it's more... It's less rust and more chrome. Uh even from what they're doing, like the the vault or the the spray of his car, like they've kind of advanced a little bit. They've recovered. They've recovered a little bit. They could probably get back to where they were. Uh, but there's people like Moral Joe and Gastown and the Rollers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, like, me and like I, the character, like the the movie itself. Do so much to help the character. Like, just you make the character to have one arm. doesn't. I think it, I mean, it comes up like a little bit. Which is like, if I remember correctly, like, losing it at one point. But it's like, it's not, yeah, it's not an important thing. It's just here's this character. Well, the arm is kind of important. Well, yeah, but because it rips off Jim's face. Yeah, but that's yeah. But it's not like okay. But like, she could have done that with a tool or something. Yes, but like. You know, although I do like how they set stuff up uh, in this film a lot. There's a lot of like really quick things that happen, payoffs. Well, what I what I most appreciate about the film is that it's a circle. Yes, it comes back to where it starts, which I think is a 
a hallmark of what I'm seeing of great stories just to come back to where they started. And the characters are different because they, they come back to the setting of where they started and now they interact with that setting differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I think really helped this movie a lot is the decision towards the end of the movie, which yeah. kind of more towards the story now. Uh, I think we're definitely enough. Oh, yeah. Well, well, spoiler. Uh, spoiler time. Uh, my, my favorite, like the whole the whole chase at the start, beautiful that sandstorm specifically. I love the interaction when he first meets the girls. I think is one of the best scenes in the movie. Yep. Because he's like, they just got out there and they're clipping like off like their chains basically from Mortal Joe. And you have Mad Max. He's like, has a shotgun. It doesn't. It, he test fired it. Doesn't have a shot in it. And he's pointing it at the girls. You know it doesn't have a bullet. The girls don't know it's not. It doesn't function. And he's threatening them to like make sure he cut, gets the chain cut off. Mm-hmm. And it's an entire fight scene that ensues afterward that I think is so beautiful because it, just, it has that awkward tension where the viewer knows something and you're like, oh my gosh, how's, how's he going to pull this off? How's he going to pull this off? And I think that's a lot of the movie is we know the two have, the audience knows the two has. We're like, how are they going to pull this off? Like, the tension is innately built into it. And even, I think, hints that Mad Max knows that their delusion of wanting to get to the green is not possible. Yeah. Like, he knows it's not, but he's going to go along with them, regardless. Yeah. It's like, he knows it's somewhere. And he's, at this point, he's probably so well-traveled. Yeah. He's just like, I think that direction. Yeah. anything. Yeah. And which is my my favorite fight scene in the entire movie is the night scene. Like yeah. that that I know the end fight scene is really cool, but yeah. the night fight scene is the color grading is completely different. Yeah. You can yeah. yeah. There was also that was also in the muddy yeah, entirely different terrain than anything that had to deal with. Yeah. So you have to deal with getting the, the truck unstuck, you have to somehow damage their cars in the process, and you have to get out. I just, I love the, the he walks off into the dark and then comes back. She's like, Are you injured? Not my blood. <laughs> yeah. starts drinking the milk. Yeah. And I, I love how it just like leaves things up to the imagination at times and you're just like, I like that. Well I think I think that's a thing that's lost in a lot of modern movies now is leaving things up to the imagination. Um, yeah. Bringing Game of Thrones is a perfect example. Mm. Uh, spoilers for that. Sorry if, if you weren't expecting it. But when uh, Dragon, Dragon's the uh, Damon. Damon, sorry. Look at the name chart, actually. Probably okay. just like, five. Um, he like walks off and just comes back with half the crab thing. And you're just like, wow, like, like, like what happened? Like, mm-hmm. I, I just, just he went into the cave, came out with half of it. <laughs> and it's. It's never discussed, it's never brought up, it's just this is the end result of what happens. Uh, Mad Max walked off into the darkness, there was a bunch of explosions, this tank just doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. What did he do? We but, know he got close enough to get covered in their blood, so it had to be something wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think Alien is a really good example. So when, when you, when movies didn't have the ability to hire a CG house to just make stuff happen, and they had to, they were forced to do stuff up the imagination. In my mind, it forced them to make a good choice. Whereas now, there is nothing that can't be shown. There is no 
anything aside from running out of three dimensions that you can't do with CG anymore. I just want to juxtapose like what Mad Max does, what Damon and Game of Thrones does versus or in House of the Dragon versus the previous Game of Thrones where the mount and the viper bite and he crushes the head. Whereas like four, you wouldn't show that. Yeah. No one would show that head being crushed. But now you could. Yeah. Versus anything if they didn't show that scene, it would be a much more horrifying scene. Yeah. If you weren't able to see the head get crushed. Like if they just if they just shot up the mount and you just saw his face get covered in Saturn. Yeah. And it was just some guy sitting there with like a ketchup bottle. But like Yeah, no, that would have been Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I oh. think allowing the individual audience viewer make up how that happened obviously goes to the worst scenario for them. Which, as a creator, you you can make the worst scenario for yourself yeah. of how you're creating it. But when you allow the audience to interact like that, have the imagination even from, crap, what did he actually do? And they fill in the gap. It's like extra layer, just juicy, juicy ones. So well, it's like, you know, I'm so scared of a horror movie that I would be terrified of anything. Mm-hmm. Like, my brain is far worse thing to me than you are know, yeah. Um, and I think there's that's almost a lost art at this point. And that's just, I just know we just I don't do a ton of that that scene bigger. Yeah. Huge highlight of that. Yeah. Um, I I really love um when they finally get to the end of the fish chasing and they meet the many mothers. Yeah. Um, and it's just this this these badass women being badass women. And it, to me I just love the juxtaposition of like there's these there's Furiosa, uh the the many mothers and juxtapose that to the girls that they're rescuing. Yeah. And it's just so different to each other and that that really just shows like how they were like born these are personalities, how they survive. And it's just wild. Uh just the amount of character they can give to these central female characters and not have it feel uh, like you, you're feeling like you're writing a forced character at times in other movies. It's almost like they wrote good characters first yes. and then cared about the female backwards. Yes. And it's just, it just flowed so well. Um, and even, I, I just love, I, I think every character, regardless of who they are, is excellent. From the sons of uh, Mortal Joe to the, uh, to the other war boys, right, so um, to the to the specific war boy that follows and kind of changes. That's I forget his name. I forget his name. But yeah, his character development is like the best. Yeah. It's so much ridiculous character. And it's just, it's gold to see my, my favorite uh, sequences of tension are the first time through the pass uh, and they have to kind of fight their way and make sure the pass is closed off. And then when I have to go back through the pass, uh, and it's such a beautiful moment when the war boy, because at the beginning, he thinks he needs to take the girls back to impress little Joe. He's on that for most of the thing until he gets abandoned by them. Yeah. Uh, and then he has this, like, self-crisis, midlife crisis moment in the back of the caravan. He's like, no. And then he's not slow interest, and he's like, he forever changed, whatever. Somebody's listening to him, talking to him. But then at the end, he has to drive the truck. And he like he mouths the witness me to the girls in front of them, 
and as he like turns the car and blocks the pass, it's such a beautiful, beautiful moment. It's just like so amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. So because of his character, it's like one of those things too. Like movies, look at their character style all the time. Like if you don't actually care for the character or understand why they're dying, then you don't. You don't get that. It doesn't. It feel that was just so so lovely. I would like to juxtapose these two characters, Rose from Star Wars and the War Boy. We do not know anything about other than this. <laughs> and I care so much more about the War Boy than I do Rose from Star Wars. I care more about the War Boy in Mad Max than I do most <laughs> characters in most modern movies. That's true. Like, yeah. I, I think Mad Max is, for all the fact that this crazy action just just nothing, just nonstop. Uh, I, I don't want to say it's very time, but I mean it starts out bad straight up the right? Yeah, slow down. That's the whole piece of the movie. Um, for you to care about the characters that you end up caring about in so many of the characters, I would argue that Max himself is one of the characters you probably care the most about. I would agree, and it's also because of who who his character arc is about, like what his character arc is about. It's meant to, he does not care about himself. He's caring about these other people, and I think that is reflected in the movie as well, whereas it's his reflection of his feelings on the characters. It's, just, it's an interesting point, um, and I, I think it's not really done so much anymore because a lot of the characters that get are main characters, right? Like, like you, you go to watch a Thor movie, you expect it to be about Thor. We're watching a Mad Max movie, but it's really about like Furiosa and all of her shenanigans that like is happening and tagged along for the rise of the war boy through him up in front of his car. Mm-hmm. And if you get to watch this story play out through the main character's eyes, yeah, and how he interacts with them and so on, yeah. Um, and I think that's just a very I can't really think of anything else to say off the top of my head that makes it interesting. Not like anything I've seen, but something I wish was like this was Boba Fett. Yes. Because I think Mad Max in very similar fashion, you shouldn't immediately like him at all. No. He shouldn't have a lot of dialogue. He shouldn't be like his actions that he does take very impactful in what he does say. He's important, but he shouldn't be talking a lot. He shouldn't be doing a lot. He needs to be far removed from almost every lick. He doesn't need to be relatable. His character shouldn't be relatable. If he is relatable, there's a problem. Yeah. If you can relate to this man who's surviving on the road like, like this, that's a problem. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you shouldn't be able to relate. I think. To me, that's how I feel about it. I shouldn't be able to relate to him because uh, he is so far removed from society. And that's just my take on it. That's the whole thing to do. We're talking about like, he's essentially schizophrenic. Right? Oh, yeah. He's having flashbacks of all these people that he's known that have died or he had survived. Yeah. Or that he had behind this behind him so he couldn't protect him or something happened to him. Yeah. He's feeling this guilt about it. And I think it's kind of, again, having not seen a bunch of the other movies short of um, little bits here and there on TV, 
I feel like he does like his arc in this is caring about the other people. I don't know if that was something that's always been his MO. Yeah. He always cares about them, but it's more centered the main villains are more focused on Max than they are uh um, at, least, at least with Thunderdome, they're more focused on Max. With the other ones they're more focused on him because he's taking something from them. Whether it's he's trying to help out this village that has old Nibirmo, or he's trying to help out another place, uh, or just like survive because he's just trying to get gas. Yeah. Like it's very uh it's called work resources and he's participating in getting those resources. He himself is also fighting for the Yes. In this case though, he's just one fighting for his life. Well I guess the resource in this scenario was the women. Yeah, but he doesn't have to he, he's not trying to take the woman, yeah. but he just so happens to be in the scenario with the women. Which is technically, in this world, the reason Immortal Drill wants them yeah, as the Yeah, it's the MacGuffin. Yeah. Although the MacGuffin is more than a MacGuffin, it's actually people that are dealing with yeah. character development. And All the girls, every single girl has a great character development, great art, and whoever, all the girls that die. Crap. It's very sad when it does happen. Yeah. They um, cram a ton into this. It's only two hours. They yeah. cram a ton of characters into it. All yes. the characters feel like they have to die. Yeah. Um, and there's a ton of action. Yeah. The only part that me feels rushed is the first five minutes when they're kind of going to their like overview of the world. And then once they get on the road, I'm like, okay, we're. I, I think that's more for people like me that haven't seen the previous movie. So yeah. Like, what, what is the setup? Okay, there's warlords, there's yep. slavery, there's all this bad stuff that's going on in a brand new bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, Which is a-okay. But it, to me, I was just like, okay, feels, feels yeah. kind of weird, but I was just like, I guess it makes sense when you're trying to introduce new people into the world, and it just kind of brought all the pieces together at the end. But to me, the only the, the first five minutes is the only thing that I, was, I felt rushed in viewing it. Um, and then after that, I was like, yes, this is this is quality stuff. This has good action, good motives, simple motives to understand. They're not, they are complex characters, but their motives are not complex. Yeah. I don't have to dig around and figure out why are they doing what they're doing. Or, you know, like in, in Star Wars, the you know, newest ones don't really know why they're doing what they're doing. Like their motives change so much that you're just like, okay, I don't understand. Of course, this is simple. I think that's one of the reasons I like the movie so much. It's so simple. There's, there's not much. There's nothing deep and philosophical about it. It's just simply good versus evil and being stuck in between. Well, in some sense, there is a philosophical element towards the end where they have to make the choice uh, to go out. The green yeah. place does not exist. The green place is a quote of fairies, now it's been destroyed. Yeah. So, what do we do now that the green place is destroyed? And they make their max makes the decision to go back and the other girls like follow him because they're just like, well, we can take the water now. Yeah. Um, and it was such a big moment for everyone. And they're just like, yeah, like, why not? If the green place isn't real, that is the next place place to go. <laughs> it is green. It will be. on the top. So it, it was just such a beautiful moment of decision to action at the end where it was like that philosophical, like, what, what is worth doing? Is this worth doing? If we came here and failed, and this was a failure of an effort, 
Now, this that we know, we know the end. We know what we can do now. We've been on this journey. We know our limits. We can totally take out a world Jones. Just get back. Yeah. Like, we did it once. We can do it again. And I thought it was beautiful. And I, I loved every second from the masks, costumes, cars, characters. I don't think you can get... I don't think you can get a better thematic world than this. No, because every just world is world. Like, yeah. there's something that feels out of place. Like, yeah. There's no Starbucks opposite corner. I was going to say, well, I'm just saying, you're choosing the film and then the answer is a void to fill, right? They're not yeah. trying to fit their world in around the city that they're filming in. They're, they're just, this is all there is. Everything yeah. that we are providing to the viewer is all they're getting. Yeah. There's nothing we don't want them to get because we started with nothing and built it from there. Mm-hmm. Which is great. I think that was the final closing of this movie. Yeah, there's always more to say to a movie than just what we think, but this is where we're going to wrap up. I highly recommend watching this one. Uh, watch it twice. Yeah, sure. I've seen it pretty much time. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, we'll have another one coming up for you guys soon. We're going to do a real famous one. A real famous one. If yeah. you guys don't know the next one, you're going to be like, I should go watch this. I highly recommend watching the next one. But you'll figure out that one is the next one. All right, guys. Have a good one.